So here, one of you can hold it to start. There may be some figuring out the volume a bit as we get going, because we're not used to having a third microphone, but it will work. Um, so we are doing something a little bit different. Uh, once, you know, when we're on the lectionary cycle, sometimes the topics kind of come to us. And the reading today has, you know, some conversation about what it means to be called, what it looks like to be put on mission by God or by Jesus. And I thought, you know, I preach a lot, Rob preaches a lot, you get to hear us talk about what we think ministry is all the time. And on top of that, um, calling is an important term in the United Methodist Church because it's something that we talk a lot about when you're going through the ordination process. And when you hear about that talked about, between two guys that have done kind of the traditional thing, right? Local church pastors, becoming elders, ordained in the United Methodist tradition. I think it can be helpful to actually hear it as more of a dialogue with folks that are maybe going a different path towards their ministry. The second reason is that these are two people that deeply, deeply inspire me as someone that's doing my own work. Uh, Alex and Peter are involved at the gathering. They come each week. As many of you know, it's a conversation-based space where we pick a topic and we just kind of engage based on our own life experience and what we're pursuing in our own thinking about being a spiritual person and being someone that wants to serve the church. Um, and in light of that, I thought this is a much better use of this time of worship than just hearing me diatribe for a while about my own background and hang-ups with evangelicalism and all that stuff that you get from me on a weekly basis. So, um, so we're going to kind of format this where I have three questions that I'm going to ask both of them, and they're going to speak to their experience. Um, and then we'll, we'll conclude, and we'll, we'll have some time of worship together. But, um, but let's just welcome them, if you will, for joining us this morning. So. So my first question, um, and if just as you lead into this, if you want to say where you're from and when you got involved in the United Methodist Church as a way of kind of setting the table maybe, um, but is how do you feel called or passionate about ministry, and what is an experience in ministry or church that has made an impact on you? So however you want to take that, go for it. <laughs> so I'm Alex. I'm from a small town called Dillwyn, Virginia. And um, I've been in the United Methodist Church. My family's been Methodist for a very long time, and I just kind of grew up there. And um, so I've always kind of felt a call to ministry, but I don't, I was never sure, I never envisioned myself necessarily, you know, being like a pastor in the church. For some reason, like that didn't, for some reason that just didn't fit with me. But then, um, I kind of got a chance to explore a lot of different ministries through, um, like, my campus ministry and even um, more so now that I'm in seminary and in my MDiv um, program. I am, the church that I am currently working at right now, Moore Memorial, um, my pastor has given me a lot of opportunities to do work in the community and with uh, youth with, like, local justice programs and things of that nature that I feel as though I'm really called to because I feel as though, um, the f for me, I don't experience church just in the church. I experience church, um, and I experience the love of Jesus when I'm able to, um, go out and make a difference in people's lives through any sort of, like, activism and kind of one of the um, more recent experiences that I've had that has kind of confirmed my call to ministry is last summer. I, um, I was working at the Virginia United Methodist Conference office. I was a communications intern and 
during that time, there was a um, an there's an organization in the South called Soul Force, which is um, like just a soulful activism organization, and they um, had done a vacation Bible school for grown-ups online, and I was like, like I had gotten a notification from their Facebook page like earlier that year, and I'm like, okay, that sounds like the most interesting thing <laughs> in the world, so I signed up, and we had a Zoom meeting twice a week, and um, basically it was a, just a group of people who really, really were passionate about justice and activism and using scripture in, because at least where I'm from, there are many cases where scripture is used to harm people rather than give life to people, and uh, it was kind of one of those experiences where it shows, like, this is what this is what we're supposed to be doing as Christians. We're, we're not supposed to be condemning people and acting as though only we have the true answer, but instead we're supposed to be giving love and life and working for justice in whatever ways that we can. So that was kind of one of my main experiences. I should also say as a way of transition that we've decided to do an adult VBS thing at the church this summer here which is an idea we've been talking about with some of the gathering folks. And so we had a planning session last week. Gene Isley was there along with a number of our gathering folks. And Alex was a fount of knowledge because of, of her experience last summer. So you'll have to look forward to that because I think it's going to be a great time. But. Yeah, good morning. My name is Peter Karanjam from Kenya. Um, yeah, it's my first year, first semester in, uh, in university. And um, yeah, uh, I like this, and I want to say this. Um, I never grew up as a Methodist, and I grew up in a Pentecostal setup whereby I was, as I grew up, I never liked church. I was like, when do I grow up and my mother stop following me? <laughs> so uh, it was simply because of the way the church setup was. It was so much spiritual and so much of wailing and, and something I wasn't attracted to. And... Um, so it happened um, then where I was, where I was living, where I grew up, I was among the minority. Uh, in Kenya, it's unfortunate sometimes we do have issues to do with the tribal things. So I was among the minority. And having grew there, and I know that was my home. And, and finally, there was a time now I could, no longer, I could no longer stay there because home was not safe. I'll quote uh, Warsen uh, Sher. He's a Kenya-born Somali poet. She says that, um, uh, no one leaves home unless home is a mouth of shark. You only leave home when you see the entire city behind you running. So, yeah, it reached a time I had to run together with my family to a, a place, and this place is Naivasha. It's just close to Nairobi city. And there, um, I was welcome with the Methodist. And I found that, uh, let me just quote uh, Wesley, I I, my heart was just strangely warm because they were so, they were so much passionate about social justice. They were so into direct, into stuff that people were facing. Being an internally displaced person, I found home there because of the way they could see things. It was into what people were facing. I was internally displaced. They were there to see us, to provide what we needed, provide that fellowship. So that is one thing I've been, the coolest thing about being a Methodist. And, uh, and, and also I, I like because it's no longer about holiness, but social holiness is a thing. 
And I thank uh, church because it has given me a broader spectrum of being a young adult missionary. It's, it's strange because uh, I've been to Germany as a young adult missionary for two years, and also I've been to Philippine, Philippines uh, for three months, and and also also been a missionary again in my home area and also in Zimbabwe. So the church has given me this spectrum of being out there and talk to people who are in the margin, like I consider myself being uh, part of it. I've been running my life. For my life, I've been running as a refugee. So and I see the child, there's a need of that coming out and, uh, and being in solidarity with the less fortunate, although there's a lot of fear uh, who, what will happen to us. And, 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 and we don't consider what will happen to the people who are, who are behind us. So um, yeah, that's part of me, and I'm so delighted. Yeah. Um, so as a way of kind of following up on that, and we're starting to get there, but um, we're unique in the sense that there's a lot of different folks that we could have a conversation with, but we're three people that have different and yet some level of commitment to the United Methodist denomination. Um, I'm more like Peter in the sense that I wasn't raised United Methodist and kind of found it later on. So my next question, um, for those of us that are attending a United Methodist church, what drew you to the United Methodist tradition, and what's been difficult about being a part of the United Methodist tradition. So, and maybe if you've already hit on it, we can transition on, but if something yeah. comes to mind. Um, yes, thank you. Thank you, Scott. Uh, yeah, um, so the church I was growing up, it gave me a chance to go out to do my study in my theological school, and I did it in Zimbabwe. Uh, I did my undergrad as a, as a divinity student. And so I was there, and I had this opportunity to go around the school and uh, the problem was, um, as I grew up, as I, my spirituality grew up, as I grew up social and personal holiness as I was growing up, and when I went back to my, the same community that I knew was very passionate, it was afraid of me, simply because I had kind of a different style. I just had a different hairstyle. So, and then I was wondering, why was church so... I'm, I'm the same person whom you sent. It's only that it's just a lifestyle. It's just the way you look at me. So I found it very hard that after I was out, the church that I was expecting it to receive me in a way, it turned back. And I was like, what, what is happening? I remember after coming out, uh, I wasn't given that chance to, to, to preach because they were afraid I might interfere with their young people. I'm not kind of the mentor they want. I'm not whom they wanted me to be. And I was having a problem uh, involving that. Why is it so hard to accept somebody who has a different lifestyle, who has different way of looking at the things? So that's, that's a struggle. And, and I believe the church has to grow on that direction, especially with the issue of accepting people who don't look necessarily like them, who see the view other, other way. Uh, so that's uh, another thing that I see the church needs to grow, as, especially in the Methodist church. Thank you. Yeah, I completely <laughs> agree with that. Um, so I grew up United Methodist, um, but uh, I, okay, I'm just going to say it, but like I'm gay and uh, the church that I grew up in was not accepting of that. So I haven't been back there since I went to college, basically. And um, so that's one of the things that has kind of gotten me as one of my hangups about the United Methodist Church, because I know that, you know, kind of wherever you go, 
there are some places that will be accepting and some places that won't. Some places it'll be a mixed bag. And for me, it's really difficult to walk into a new setting in a new church and not know if people are going to be accepting, you know? And um, kind of as an example, because the thing is with the Methodist church, I have like, um, you know, basically when I was rejected, my parents stopped going to that church too because they're just like, I don't want to go to a church where my child can't go to and feel safe. Um, so, you know, I've kind of done the whole church shopping thing with them where we've tried going to different, granted in a town of about 400 people, there aren't that many options <laughs> when it comes to churches, but, you know, we've tried going to various churches and anything for me that wasn't, you know, the United Methodist Church that I grew up in, it did not feel right? It did not feel the same. And one of the things that I've kind of come to realize is that sometimes um, when you're in a position where you've kind of felt um, put in like a different place from the rest of the people in your church, uh, it, it make, to me it makes me more stubborn in that I want to go back and I want to, um, you know, kind of find that love and show that love that perhaps wasn't shown to me when, you know, I was 18, and for example, one of the, um, I'll give a specific example, so I was doing an internship, I got accepted to an internship that um, the Virginia Conference does, where basically you get, uh, you're in college, and you can get placed to any church uh, around the conference, kind of like as an intern to shadow a pastor, and all that, and I was really interested, and I told them about, you know, the whole you know, I told them about my story and just, you know, kind of putting that out there when they did ask about my call story, because to me, that is a very integral part of what I experienced when I was growing up. And so, you know, they were okay with it, and they found this church who, like, the pastor was like, hey, we've actually been wanting to, like, see if we can, you know, open the minds of people at the church towards um, LGBT folks, you know, and we'd be really happy to have you there. And he's like, okay, that sounds really great. You know, like, I would love to be in a place like that where the pastor is supportive and to, like, kind of, you know, show people the diversity of this world and all of that. And so she calls me and she says, like, hey, it was a few months before the internship was supposed to start. And she said, hey, I, um, just so you know, I'm going to go to the church council uh, tomorrow night and I want to, you know, kind of just introduce them to you before we got things started. That way, if there, you know, were anything, if there was anything really bad going on we could like work it out beforehand. That way, you know, I didn't have to come in and there'd be this gigantic storm going on. And I was like, okay, I mean, you know, feel free to tell them just, you know, that I feel that I'm here and I feel called to ministry and that I'm, you know, I'm as open to them as they are willing to be open to me. You know, I'm really excited to be over there and working with them and all that. And she was like, yeah, okay, I'll let them, I'll let them know and we'll have this conversation and I'll call you you know, in about a week or so, and I'll let you know how things are going, and I look forward to being in ministry with you. It's like, great. Um, but I didn't get a call a week later. I got a call the next night after the church council meeting, and I was told that I, that they did not want me to be at their church, and they, they did not want me as an intern, and they, I quote, especially did not want me around the youth and the children and I don't know what they thought I was going to do because I'm just like, I'm here and I'm here to show love and I'm not here to indoctrinate anybody or anything like that. I just want other people to see the love of God. Um, and 
the thing is, I know that that is sadly a common experience for a lot of people, you know, whether it is based on race or gender or orientation or disability or anything like that. And even though we call the United Methodist Church as a denomination calls herself a place of open hearts, open minds, open doors, and I found that in so many places. Um, sometimes it is difficult to feel like that is, and uh, for me, that's just kind of one of the struggles that I've really faced, and I think it's not uncommon for people to face that either. Thank you. I think it's a, it's a good reminder for us that the, the willingness and the openness to share our stories is a gift that we all receive when we get to share these things. So I want to, before we move on to our last question, I just want to thank you both for, for sharing the depth of your experience, and that I share my story every week, and yet there's there's a significantly less risk for someone like me to share my story with all of you every week. Um, I'm getting ordained right now, and it's really clear to me that my process is going to be pretty much a straight arrow because I fit the bill in a lot of ways for what the Methodist Church has always outlined um, for a pastor. And so in light of that, I think recognizing and delicately holding the stories people are giving us is important for a community like ours. And that if you hear only folk stories like mine too much, then let me know about it, and let's hold each other accountable. Because there's a lot more going on in the church than what you get from me or from Rob or from some of us on a Sunday-to-Sunday basis. Um, but I want to thank you. And our, the last question I have is something that I really think is helpful for us as a church to hear. And because of the work that you're doing at Mora Memorial, which is a great church, the work that you've done with refugees in Frankfurt, the depth of experience you have, I think you just might have some interesting insight on in 10 years— as folks that want to do ministry work, in 10 years, how do you think the church or ministry is going to change or needs to change or will look different? What will it look like for folks like us that want to be a part of a church in 10 years? Um, do you see any shifts that need to happen? Uh, do you see any changes up ahead? I think one thing that I've noticed and I think I'm going to kind of see more and more is that people, like the church isn't necessarily going to exist within a building like this as in like only in a building like this um, because I know with a lot of people's experiences, you know, people might be afraid to walk into a church building itself but might feel comfortable like in a coffee shop or I know um, I have a friend who does church. She like goes out and does ministry like at a local bar mm-hmm. and like talk, just talks with people there. And I think um, church is going to involve a lot more. Well, if we want to keep our church alive, you know, we want to get out there and you know um, not just keep everything within these four walls. And so maybe that'll involve going into like unconventional spaces where there are, are and just doing more outreach and uh, showing love that way yeah thank you um, yeah uh, I totally agree with uh, Alex that the church needs to go out of its wall as long as you remain in the wall we remain irrelevant because the time is moving very fast uh, I'm from a different context in, in Kenya and yeah, we, we usually hear the church is growing very fast, the church is growing, but unfortunately it's only among uh, adult people, the adults, but young people, it's, it's a tendency that we are not, they are not so much attracted to the church, and it's simply because of the way we do things, and, and simply because the church is afraid, is afraid of its structure, is afraid of 
going out and just listen to young people, just uh, being open up and uh, open up to uh, to hear what they what they have to say because of not necessarily has to be experienced. Young people we are exposed to a different stuff, a lot of information, and the struggle with theology again. So I, I think the church has to be more practical in as long as it wants to remain relevant. And the same thing I experienced in, in Frankfurt, Germany. Uh, I was uh, actually also working with the refugee alongside with the, with the senior citizens. So, and one of the things, we, uh, we were only young adults there, the missionaries, we were only like four of us from Africa, and the rest of the church were the senior citizen. And we were wondering where are the young people. So one of the things was to see how do we link up the church to, this, uh, to the young people. And one of the things that came out clear was uh, the theology, yes, uh, it didn't make sense to young people. So there's a need for to come out and speak things that are really out, things we do with social justice, inclusion. Those are some of the things that young people want to hear. As long as the church remains in a closet, then there's a danger. Thank you. Well, as we close, I would just like to say that, um, you know, I've, I've mentioned before that there was a pastor named Linda Quanstrom who was deeply, deeply impactful for me, that when she first said she thought I was called to ministry, I said, maybe we should stop hanging out, because I wasn't sure I was interested in that, and I had had some weird experiences in church prior to that that made me wary. And yet, for my life, ever since then, she has continually said, I'm just going to be the one that reminds you that you're called to ministry in some way. But like I was saying earlier, it's easier for folks to recognize that in a person who's working in a local church and getting ordained. And my hope is that this conversation can broaden us a little bit so that we can identify the calling of God on people across a large variety of swaths. That the job of the church, it seems to me, is to be able to say to folks, that part of your character or those gifts that you have or that ability that you have is special and has the ability to make a huge difference in the world. And we get to do that for each other as we're discerning how we're called. Um, but being next to a place like Drew, we also get to do that for the students that walk in our doors. So I'm hoping that maybe this allows us to be that affirming voice to folks that aren't going to check all the boxes of a local church pastor in all the traditional ways or maybe is trying some new things. And yet we can be a community that says, you're called. Something is going on with you, and you are sharing the love of God in a way that is powerful and unique. So I want to thank you for sharing two of my favorite people with all of you and being graceful and listening to their stories. And I really want to thank you for sharing your stories. That, that is the biggest gift you can give. So can we give it up for Alex and Peter? And if you'll enter into a time of prayer with me, followed by our communion liturgy. Dear Lord, we want to thank you for this time and for this place, for these people and for this purpose. You give us a call on our life that goes beyond just what we think as traditional, what we think as the normal work of the church. You call us to make coffee shop work or going to the bar or social justice or working with refugees, the work of the gospel. You remind us that we are called to create good news in a world where the news is not always good. In a world where when the news is good, it's not always good for everybody. 
We can make good news all over the place, in every neighborhood, in every walk of life, in every vocation. So let us give ourselves the weight of our calling. Let us be reminded that we do not just have a career. We have a vocation, and when God calls us to a particular purpose, the world cannot get in the way of that call. God's work will be done through us. As we lift up those in our community who we've been praying for this week, we want to continue to pray for Steve Fagg and Katie King, Grace Clementi, Lucy Porter, Reverend Manolo Sardinas, Jerry Walling. We pray for the students that walk through the doors of this church who we were able to support with food and a place to study. May you help us to realize that what feels like a simple act like that is not simple, it is profound and deep. We pray for the Dittmore family as they work through what feels like a mysterious illness, and we continue to lift up all of those on our hearts that are not named here, that are either physically or spiritually struggling with pain and hurt. May you energize us toward comfort, toward being agents of peace and love and care. As we enter into this time of silent reflection, Let us lift up those who are unnamed and yet deeply, deeply on our hearts. And praying as the Lord taught us to pray. Our God, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you will turn in your bulletin to our communion liturgy.